Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Before we dive into this week's Fashion Your Seatbelt podcast interview, I just want to draw your attention to the chat I had with designer Johnny Coca. In a bit over three years, he has turned the Mulberry brand around and made it relevant again in the world of fashion. So after you've listened to this interview, carve out some time to check out Coca. His observations about how he is transforming the Mulberry brand are very interesting. And now, it is time for you all to discover the delightful Klaus Stockhausen. He's the contributing fashion director at Zeich magazine and is a fixture of the fashion scene. This is a man who has really lived life to the fullest and has done it with lots and lots of laughter. In fact, I don't think I've ever laughed as much as I have in one interview as I did with Klaus. He is honest and playful, self-deprecating, and just the right amount of caddy, so you know it's all in good fun. idea about who Klaus is, he started his career as a DJ in Germany, something he did for about 15 years, and he's even credited for introducing house music to the country. He was also in a boy band called, and I kid you not, Boytronics, that had a top 10 hit song called You, something that's worth checking out on YouTube, I promise you. He was doing street style long before that phrase even existed in the fashion lexicon. And not only was he the personal stylist for a while for Naomi Campbell, he was also the mastermind behind all of John Galliano's extraordinary outfits that he wore to take his epic bows at the end of each of his John Galliano and Christian Dior shows. Suffice it to say, Klaus has got a lot of great stories to tell, as well as strong opinions about the current crop of models, how to handle divas on a photo shoot, and some key insights on how to be a successful stylist. Now just sit back and enjoy this moment of bliss with Klaus. All right, Fashion Week is over. Klaus, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me, ah. Jessica. So let's, we've known each other for years, True. but I don't know your whole backstory. So I would just love to know um, your childhood. Tell me a little oh, bit about childhood. you. Like, go back. <laughs> Oh, way back. Well, you back go as, way far, back. as far back well, as you want to go. I don't know. Well, actually, um, while after school, I went to study American literature. But I had a little bit of problem with my parents, so mm -hmm. I had to work on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, turned into a DJ, which turned into a really big career, so I never managed to go to the university anymore. Oh, so so out of, after high school, you ended up becoming a prolific DJ. Yes, up till, yeah, for like 15 years, actually. I had no idea about that. Yes, yes. There are actually lots of tapes online now, because uh, back in the days, this is kind of the music was happening again. Mm -hmm. so. And what, I mean, I think I know this is an obvious question, but what was it about DJing that you loved? I loved actually the most to like entertain the crowd. It really got me going when I started screaming and uh, going wild and crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and to educate the people as well. 
How would how were you edu- by giving them? Well, no top tens. We were very. It was a very underground club I worked in called the Front in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Actually, I started in Cologne, but in the end, I was like for ten years the resident of the Front. Oh wow! And um, plus, you had a whole other life that I knew nothing oh, yeah, about. Oh yeah, totally, totally, totally. Oh my totally, god! Totally. And yeah, then, yeah. so how do you how do you go from? Superstar, you know, DJ. No, it was not superstar. Oh, but, uh, well, resident for, you know. For a really good club. Yeah. No, actually, Mix Max, uh, Mix Mac magazine. Okay. You know that? No. It's like a DJ kind of magazine. They uh, wrote a big article about me a couple of years ago, which I didn't know. And um, I was apparently the DJ that brought house music to Germany. And just Shuffle to let up. you know, who okay. was. Wolfgang Tillmans was a regular, Lutz Hülle was a regular, Christiane Arp, who's now a German Vogue, mm-hmm. was a regular, and my boss at Side Magazine, he was a regular at oh. that club back in the days. Back in the, in the days. Hamburg. Yes. When they all partied till all hours. They all pa- I didn't know, I mean, I knew Wolfgang, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't know the other people back then, of course. Then I had a brief stint of two years with a boy band. Shut up! <laughs> what was the name of your boy band? Boytronic. We were like kind of a one-hit wonder. But we made. Wait, wait, okay. So what, what was your one hit then? Uh, so called look, you. you. Called can actually, you. I will look that up. Called you. Okay. No, I'll look just at, you. Just you. It was called. The, we can the song watch it was later you. on YouTube. And okay. You're gonna freak out laughing. Okay. 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 <laughs> you. All right. And and that was I had that kind of a two-year contract, but it was more a bit like Milli Vanilli. You know, <laughs> it was one guy having the hit. It went top ten, and the record company wanted three guys because it was a time of Aha and Alphaville. So I was three guys, and so we were just pretending what we were doing. And first one was top 10, second one was top 50, mm-hmm. third one was top 70. And so it went like, eh. And I decided I prefer to be behind the camera instead of in front of it, because I hated it. Really? Yes. Huh. I had fun two and a half minutes. <laughs> That's about it. No. But so, but why? What made you think? Okay, I want to step behind the camera because maybe I don't have fun with this. But stepping behind the camera is another choice. I mean, behind the camera in the sense of when, while I was DJing, I was in my booth, and, mm-hmm. and you know, people couldn't. You know, they were not looking at you like. They it do wasn't nowadays. like the DJs of today, where they're like no. they're superstar DJs. No, 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 no. Yeah. It was a little bit no, and the booth and at the front, it was a closed booth. Just oh. I could look out. I couldn't look in. Oh wow. That was kind of. Oh, Whatever. mystery man. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So then it's then it's kind of organic that you would want to go behind the scenes. Yes, I didn't. I didn't feel feel good there. Uh-huh. And then I did uh, music as well for a lot of fashion shows. There were still fashion shows in Germany in Düsseldorf. Designer, <laughs> Deutsche Designer Mode. <laughs> and um, yeah, I did a couple of shows, and of course it was all pre-taped. And one of the stylist's assistant was sick. I had nothing to do. I helped him out. Mm-hmm. And like two weeks later, I had my first job for a really cheap, nasty publication. <laughs> <laughs> and so how, how, when was this? How old were you when you started? We're talking, we're talking, because I stopped DJing in 93. Okay. So it was around that time. Mm-hmm. The, boy, the boy band was like 84. That is so cool. And then 93, I did like for two years, I did like kind of both. Mm-hmm. Did a bit, of, uh, did a bit of styling and I was still DJing on the weekend. And then I turned like 30 mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. I need to get real. Of, yes, I yeah. tried to get real. 
then uh, but then so what do you like about styling what it made what what made you continue to be interested in that because you know. well music and fashion was always like kind of I knew already when I was a kid every week I had to run out and buy magazines for my mom mm -hmm. she bought like everything we had every catalog in the house that you possibly could have but like fashion magazines well yeah cheap fashion mm -hmm. yeah German uh, Nova we're not talking about okay. here. we're talking like not, yeah, not even L, mm -hmm. but like Brigitte and Constanze, <laughs> you know, really like okay, mums, middle ground, mums, yeah, yeah, yeah mum's fashion, and like really catalogs, uh -huh. like, you know, like Zalando would be online, but it was okay, like the Sears catalog, or exactly, okay, Otto Fasan <laughs> was it in Germany, Otto and Neckermann. <laughs> Well, we were talking about what kept you attracted to styling, you know, what was that? Oh, it was, um, uh, true. The appeal was to... And is, I hope. Yeah, is a little bit less these days, mm. or on a different level, but, but then it was really to create a fantasy, and, okay. to, and to be able to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, I, did, uh, I did a couple of independent magazines and did some styling, and people thought I was crazy because I was putting Birkenstocks on people, and... You know, and tank tops, really cheap underwear tank tops, and they were like, oh, what the fuck is this? Because in comparison to what was going on at that time, it was a high glam, and it wasn't... No, yeah, was it, it minimalist at that no, point? No, well, it was minimalist, and it was a little bit all what the face was doing, you mm -hmm. know. It was like from, from buffalo to minimal, mm -hmm. basically. You know? mm -hmm. So, and for Germany, that was kind of tricky. But because what, was, what does that mean by for Germany, that was tricky? Because they didn't, they didn't kind of... Get it. Birkenstock okay. sandals still for Germans with socks in. It's like kind of the... The Uggs of... No. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like the ultimate no-go. Okay, okay. And, um, but then I was doing catalogs for a year and a half. Those catalogs that I was basically... The catalogs that your at. mom had gotten you. Oh, okay, that you would get for your mom. That, mm -hmm. Yeah, but then uh, they had one high-classy catalog where mm -hmm. they had all the top models. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, I was booked for those girls all the time because I always had music with me, of mm. course, and I wasn't starstruck mm -hmm. whatsoever. I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Why do you think you didn't really care? No, I didn't really care. It was nice to be with the girls and whatever, mm -hmm. but I didn't go because all the people around me went hysterical because Naomi was late. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, damn, good for her. <laughs> I was more always on the side of the girls, but without gazing at them and all. Well, what was, did they, did they understand or did you understand at that point that it was the era of the supermodels? I mean, no. was that? They were, they were, of course, they were like the models mm -hmm. uh, and everybody wanted them. But the, I think the term super was created already. But looking back now, mm -hmm. it was like, wow. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you like organically live grow it. or yeah. live it, then you don't see it as that hysterical. Mm -hmm. You just saw the difference of them actually working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you saw, when you worked with Linda, with Naomi, like you sh every movement was just right. Oh, wow. In compared to other models that you had to kind of direct and to, you know. So they had the skills. They had the skills. They did. They had the skills. Had the skills. They still have them. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Um, and so, so talking about skills, how would you describe your aesthetic, or your, or maybe even the evolution of your aesthetic? I mean, how do I identify a shoot that you've worked on? 
I mean, there was an article about me in Achtung 100 years ago. <laughs> when it was still right. And um, they said that I brought it all down to streets. Mm. So basically, street style before there was street style. Okay. And Putting so like the Doc Martens on instead of the nice shoes. Mm -hmm. and a bit more grungy, a bit more dirty and raw and rough, actually. Mm -hmm. And how does that, and, and how, so you have your aesthetic, and then um, because a lot of your work was done in Germany, I mean, this is, I was just looking at your most recent body of work, but mostly the, the German market, you're very well known in the German market. I'm but, super well known in the German market, that's true, because I never, there was a time that I wanted to actually go abroad, mm -hmm. but then as well I had a real life and fell in love, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and then it didn't really matter, and I was okay in Germany, and I was rather, would be like top three in Germany than top 100 mm -hmm. somewhere else. Plus as well, I didn't start that young, so I didn't want to do all the elbowing yeah. uh, somewhere else again in New York or London or Paris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then how did, can you talk a little bit about like, what is the German aesthetic then compared to, so you have your style, but could you, are German magazines, how are they different than say from a, an American magazine or a, a French magazine, you know, the, these glossy magazines, how do, is there a specific look about them or, or how do you see them? I think these days, I think it's all one big mashup. You have these mm -hmm. five, six magazines that are different mm -hmm. and all the rest is like, it doesn't really matter anymore for me. Mm -hmm. If you were, if you okay, Italian Vogue, maybe not, but all the rest is like one. You could all stir the pot. But Condé Nast is doing this, for example, all the syndication from the GQs mm -hmm. and from the Vogue's to save some money. So, mm -hmm. so basically, I think it's one world now. And mm -hmm. It's kind of the same look. Mm -hmm. More or less. It's not, but it is. Well, then where, who, what magazines do you think are really interesting today? The independence of the independence? Um, what do you think? It's so sad. It used to be... Up on, until a couple of years ago, I couldn't even take a plane or a train without buying at least five kilos of magazines mm -hmm. and schlepping them around. Mm -hmm. and great upper body strength. Great yeah. upper body, that's totally gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely gone. And it just got, some. at one point it got less and less interesting. Mm. And I started just flicking through them mm -hmm. and just buying my three, four Bibles, like Arena en Plus always was kind of a Bible. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, of course, it was a face and Blitz magazine mm -hmm. way back. Mm -hmm. Then ID, of course, used to be Bible. It's good again mm -hmm. since Holly's there. Mm -hmm. And um, a bit of love. Mm -hmm. And um, still some Italian Vogue, 032, mm -hmm. see? Yeah. And that's about it. I'm quite sure there are a lot and lot of more and good magazines, mm -hmm. like I Love System, of course, and mm -hmm. Document Journal, mm -hmm. but they're more specific now. There are these biannual specific mm -hmm. things. But do you think that that's where the way we, I mean, well, let's, let me, let me take that back. How do you think then about the online magazines versus, you know, carrying those kilos of magazines around? Does, uh, do fashion shoots resonate in the same way? How no. do you... Well, it's always it's always nice because it's nicer to have it, to feel it, to mm -hmm. to see it. You can you can dream a bit more. The, the online it's super fast and super, and often the quality doesn't really mm -hmm. come over all the work that's that's in there. And it's too 
It's a bit like Tinder. Mm-hmm. You just swipe, 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 swipe. swipe. Mm-hmm. And that is very sad on one hand side mm-hmm. because as well all, all the love that goes into making the things happen from the people. But it's kind of, it, it waters down and it's too much and everybody can do it mm-hmm. now. And yeah, do you think that everybody thinks that they can do it? I oh mean, yeah, of course. Because okay, so everybody calls themselves like, I'm a stylist now, all everybody of the kind of influencers. Is, uh, yes, a stylist, a photographer. Back then, then and there was a time everybody was a DJ. Mm-hmm. And now everybody, I think the new thing is it's going to be, everybody's going to be a chef. Hmm, interesting. And um, so, yeah, which is fine, and everybody can do everything, but then you still have to show your real power. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think there's just, very few few people that can do everything mm-hmm. and they're a good at it yeah you know there I mean? are only so many Karl Lagerfelds in the world right exactly exactly <laughs> no it's the same like as well you know the money's tight people in Germany for example try to book hair and make it people in one mm-hmm. person but that person comes from somewhere mm-hmm. you know when they come from the hair maybe the makeup is not so good and vice versa mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. and through that you lose a bit of of quality. So for somebody who's not in fashion, imagine everyone who's listening to this loves fashion, but um, how would you describe what a stylist does? It's kind of a generic question, I know, but it, I feel like sometimes a stylist, kind of like you said, everyone seems to be a hybrid these days. It's all kind of like a catch-all as well, the, that description. How would you define that or, you know? Well, I don't know. I think, it, I think good stylists create dreams mm-hmm. a bit as well, and I think we need those dreams. Mm-hmm versus these days where you have all the full look policies and all these you're so restricted so mm-hmm. it's it's very hard you're either at the very top end that you can do whatever the fuck you want to do mm-hmm. or or it's like that you get pushed back by either the advertiser or the labels mm-hmm. that restrict you like cra- or can restrict you like mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. you know but a good stylist I think he can create a mood he can create a dream, mm-hmm. an illusion, if it's a minimal or theatrical mm-hmm. or whatever. And it makes you think, oh, yeah, I want to be maybe that person. I maybe want to be in that kind of mood. And maybe if you're lucky, then the, the person who is seeing your work takes something from that story for himself. Mm. And that would be the ultimate goal, I think. I think that's a great description. Um, do you have any particular um, shoots that you've done that that stand out that are like highlights for you or or lowlights? Some like some disaster stories. I don't know. Oh, for sure, there are lots of lowlights. <laughs> <laughs> or disaster that you turned into a good thing. I don't know. What's, what comes to mind when I say these things? Well, there. Are, I don't know. There are a couple of things, and I've had. I mean, from the catalog situation, they offered me. a position as a fashion director of German Max magazine, if mm. you remember that magazine, you had a French version too, mm-hmm. and um, I was very lucky to straight become fashion director, not even going the other way. Steps, yeah. And um, there was a story with a rapper, I'm not saying any name, <laughs> medium, still medium famous, mm-hmm. and I dealt with the record company for two and a half months about the look, the this, the that. And the idea was we rented the Lido with the girls. We had half a day to shoot there with the girls. Uh, and I was uh, talking to the record company. I said, oh, we should put him like a little bit pimpy mm-hmm. and Westwood and Gaultier mm-hmm. 
and we got all the clothes set with references back and forth. They were all applauding. Dun, 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 dun. Finally, they come, Swapper shows up, stands in front of me, is like, I'm not doing that. I'm just a jeans and a tank top guy. Oh, no. And I'm like... So what do you do in that situation? I send him away. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. And how did you salvage that shoot, or did you just wash your hands of it? No, 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 not at all. It was a record company going crazy, crazy. I was like, you know what? I have advertisers as well mm -hmm. that do jeans and T-shirts. I could have done a fucking Tommy Hilfiger story. Yeah. And it would be all right. Mm -hmm. But tell me before. So there was a miscommunication between the German and the American uh, record company. Oh, no. So I was like, listen, we spent so much money to do, 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 do here. And um, if you're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And on the side, we were casting models already. Wow. And then the record company wanted us to shoot at least a portrait or something like this. And we were like, no, we're restricted. We have to be out here by 2 o'clock. I need to do 10 pages. Mm -hmm. I have those clothes here. Mm -hmm. We're doing it. Uh, we're doing it. And thank you. I, like, I liked him. And I actually, you know, tell me before. I have no problem. Yeah. Uh, doing a hippie hoppy styling, mm -hmm. you know, it actually would have been good for my advertisers because the vest was aimed. Yeah. Um, no, I sent him away. So that was one of my, my things, uh, which I kind I, of liked. <laughs> <laughs> the story turned out beautiful. In the end, we had like an Asian, Asian guy mm -hmm. in with the girls and it looked actually pretty good. That's fantastic. Yeah. What is, what do you... Finding the most difficult part of your job today in this this new digital space? Uh, get samples. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. No, get the samples that you really want. Why? What's the what's the? There, there's lots of teas. Everybody wants basically. If you see a collection, the whole world wants the same ten looks. Very yeah. true. You have to compete with all the rest in the world. Germany is still considered like a third world country when it comes to fashion. Hmm. Not, but yes, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, and you cannot, you know, you have to wait till they're all. That's why I tend to do my stories very late in the season mm -hmm. when everybody's kind of done. Mm -hmm. It's just tricky with like paillettes and stuff because they're all gone by the end of the season. <laughs> but, but, but I tend to shoot very late to make sure to get what I want. Mm -hmm. I mean, for women, it's, that is. Men's is much, much easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why is men's easier? There's not so much around, you know, it's not that many publications around mm -hmm. for that. And uh, people don't borrow to all those publications. There's a hierarchy as well, mm -hmm. of course. Um, I think it, it tend, it's much easier normally with the men's. With the men's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, can you talk about... Um maybe how your job then has evolved as well? Like with, uh, are you still doing exactly what you did back in the day or have you seen no. your job? No, well, yes, actually yes and then no because I'm kind of pulling back slowly mm -hmm. a little bit. Well, it involved through, the through these catalog things. Um, one day I got a phone call from Naomi's people uh, because she had these perfumes out with a German company okay. in the mid and 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I was her personal stylist for a couple of years, doing all the press tours and uh, keeping those German perfume people away from her. So I was moaning in the middle. Uh-huh, you know, understood. She's yeah. going to be late. Mm -hmm. But I had the best, best ever time, I must say. And um, it was really good. 
And then uh, I moved from... No, actually, I was still at Max Magazine mm -hmm. in 99 when there was a phone call like, hello, this is uh, Dior, Mr. Galliano wants to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, and put down the phone because I thought it was my boyfriend <laughs> making fun of me because he used to do all that kind of shit. Oh, really? Yes. So that telephone call, I put down the phone. Three, you hung up on him? Three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. okay. <laughs> I did. <laughs> And it was very funny. It was ex uh, actually John's boyfriend at the time, Lexi. Mm -hmm. But still, it's a boyfriend. And uh, I was working with him. He, he was a with, on a job. He was a hairdresser on that job. And he obviously recommended me to John. But I didn't even know they were together. I had no idea. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Things like that. I yeah. didn't really care about. Yeah. So that call came in. And I remember like crazy... I had a meeting with him <laughs> on a Friday here in Paris in the office. I was like, hi, how are you? And I heard lots of stuff from you, blah, 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 blah. Who did you work with? I was like, oh, well, Naomi. From the names, it might be Naomi. He said, oh, you did Naomi, so you can do me. The show is on Monday. So I was shitting my pants. <laughs> Wait, which show was this? Which, I'm curious to see which show it was. Uh, the first where he was uh, the boxer. Oh, so you were doing his looks for when he doing, came out and did his yes. final work. The whole show would stop and there would be that pause and then exactly. John would come out and That's you me. did that? Yes. Oh my God, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, those yeah, were yeah. like theatrical performance yes. pieces, each and every one of those. Yes, and the astronaut was kind of... The it. astronaut was amazing. <laughs> yes. I did like... Um, oh, and the one with the Indian one with all of the puffs of all of the different colors and all of that? Those were yes, like, that, that was, was so amazing. Yes, yes, was <gasps> shaking. Yeah, oh my gosh. that was me. And he used me as well for all the, when there were editorials or, or portraits about mm -hmm. him. And I always had to take holidays at my job. You know, I was at Condé Nast meanwhile, mm -hmm. uh, doing GQ mm -hmm. and um, launching GQ style because Germany was the first market that had a GQ style. Mm -hmm. We were the guinea pigs, oh. England and all the other, uh, Italy. Yeah, two, three years after, actually. Interesting. So for a couple of years, I never had a holiday because, of course, I have like these certain amount of days a year and mm -hmm. I always had to take them. To do the other, to do, to do your other holiday stuff. was your other job. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I, I loved to do it in the beginning and I didn't think it would last mm -hmm. because he had to fly me in yeah. for everything. And I thought it's not going to last. But we got on very, very, very well. And I basically did it till 2000 and from 99 to 2009. In between, I must say, there was a year that someone else was doing it, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, but then I, I was... That didn't work out. Back. Well, it probably did, but mm -hmm. maybe I would, was just easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. Talk to me. You've worked with the Supers. You, What do you think about the current crop of models working today, and or maybe the... There's this whole, uh, you know, uh, inclusivity and diversity and trans and, you know, different ethnicities. What, how do you feel about the current state well, of affairs? Well, I think it's about time that we are more diverse. And I think this season especially we saw it. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think this season, especially here in Paris, I mean, I didn't go to Milan this time, but especially in Paris, uh, it was really like, okay, They've been pushed to mm -hmm. to put more diversity on the on the runway, mm -hmm. including even uh, the big the 
a big girl at uh, McQueen. At McQueen, yeah. yeah. That Belgium, she's Belgium, I think. No? Yeah. And I must say, some of them, I just come from a job with Soyo Park. And she was, I never met her before, and it was incredible. We had just so much fun today. It was really, really incredible. I think, and that goes for models, that goes for actors, that goes for everybody. Mm-hmm. When they're on a certain level, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They say yes, they do, they don't moan. Mm-hmm. When there are moanies in the middle or lower things, especially little actors or models that are apparently on the run, there's a lot of this not this not and I'm called I don't do this I don't do this where you go like really yeah you know you committed to this thing mm-hmm. you know before mm-hmm. if you don't like thinking back of my rapper that yeah, I yeah, send yeah. away yeah you just don't do it yeah you know mm-hmm. do you find when you get to the actual person it's the people that are around them that are causing all of the oh, yeah. drama yeah yeah always always always, 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 always yeah that's always. what I find too yeah 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 totally yeah. Protection, 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 protection. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could say I do. it's Naomi, but I could also say, oh, maybe it's Linda. Mm-hmm. Or then maybe it's Christy. Mm-hmm. You know. How did you convince that cover that you did with her, um, of Christy? How did you. I guess I wouldn't be surprised her going so natural and bare bones, but is that something that you had to negotiate ahead of time? Or, I mean, is there. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, there was not much uh, negotiation to be done. It was uh, quite clear that we wanted to portray the woman that she is quite right now, and that means not airbrushed to death, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well, what do you think about that whole airbrushing thing and the, and the you know, modification of the, the changing of the color of the skin or the airbrushing to within an inch of your life kind of no, problem? No, when it's done too much, I think it's ridiculous. On the other hand, side, I find it as well ridiculous. There's a law in France now no, yeah. that you have to write down, it, which I think is ridiculous as well. Okay. Because in the end, what we see, what we're selling, the advertising, all that, these are dreams. Mm-hmm. They want to capture you. Mm-hmm. And there are people that like it or people that don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's both has a validation. You so you've got to find the, the, the middle ground there. I think, yes. Mm-hmm. I think you have to because you want to have nice images. Mm-hmm. You know, and somebody who hasn't been retouched uh, can look wonderful, mm-hmm. but sometimes a little bit does help. Yeah. You know, just this overly done, retouched, not real thing is kind of... Scary. Yeah, yeah totally. Changing color of the skin. Yeah, that's shit. Yeah, no, we don't do that. No, 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 that's crazy. No, no, no. What um, what about, is there anybody or any place that you would love to go do a shoot? Anybody that you haven't worked with that you would love to work with? Um, I want, I've never been, I want to go to St. Petersburg. Mm, it's supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to be amazing. I would love to shoot there. And who would you shoot there with if there was somebody you haven't That's a good with? idea. I would have to think of a story first. Oh. <laughs> so how does that work? Well, tell me about your process then. Is it, is... Is it a brief from a brand? Is it your own idea? How do you come up with No, your... we don't do briefs for brands unless we get paid very well for that. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't, don't give any ideas for free. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. But but the stories um, that we develop is kind of different different things. Often often through the zeitgeist, often through some collections that are like stand out, like, mm-hmm. you know. For example, yesterday, Mew Mew, mm-hmm. I never thought that you could do Weinberger again and again and again, you know, the photographer that was, uh, and it still looks so fucking fresh, 
Yeah. It looked really... That was a great it show. It was a great show. It was it gave me life and energy. Out of a good show, you come with energy yeah. and, and in a good mood. Yeah. And that was one of them. And these were references that have, has, have been referred to 300 million times. And you basically go, damn. Because I had something like that. Not like that. It's, it's too much. But uh, I had those, some references on the table and I thought, oh, I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you cannot go there. Revisit that one more time. It's been done to death. And that... Unless you do it, boom. And then there she comes, Katie, and it's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, no. You either... It's that. It can be an inspiration. It can be a movie that comes out. It can be all of that. I mean, I did... Once I did a sto- Angela Merkel story on a guy. <laughs> later and she was fabulous and that came out of I had really I had a lot of advertisers to please mm-hmm. and there were lots of colored suits so I was like let's do an Angela Merkel story just always have like she always has the colored blazer yes she does you see and then I'm going to show you I, so know. wait so just so that I'm clear and that the people who are listening to this, so it's an Angela Merkel themed story on a male model exactly Oh, yeah, I definitely. We're going to have to add images to go with this. Okay, okay, okay. Stuff like that, you know. And as well, my time with John helped me a lot. You know, my, my thing is as long as I still learn, mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I can't say I did it all and it's really, really this the best I've ever done because mm-hmm. then I have to stop. All right, so John was a, clearly a teacher for you. Oh, totally. We, we, I got all these, in the end, I got all these cryptic uh, briefings that I just loved. And we were playing like think, think Elvis Presley on a Vespa in India. That yeah. was for the that show. That was for the show with yes, the, pow- for that oh, the powder one. show. Mm. Yes, for example. It's you so similar because I was when I was speaking with Stephen uh, Jones for one of these podcasts. He said like the same Ray Karakuba would give him the most cryptic kind of messages to yes. like go and get inspired by. All right, so John, anybody else has, who's been really a guiding force for you in your career? Mm, I didn't have that many, many people around me, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that much because I'm a pretty loyal person, and as long as the people want me, I'm right there. No, I mean, I'm inspired by people. Judy Blame was a big inspiration. Uh, Ray Patry was a big inspiration. Joe McKenna still is a big inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they what he they did is kind of has this timelessness. And, mm-hmm. uh, you can revisit it uh, twenty years later, and it's still like ah. Oh. Like for example, I archived all magazines from the late eighties, beginning of the nineties that are not where you can't find all the images online. Online, and when you go through that, then you really go like wow. So you have a huge archive of that at your... Yeah, I do, actually. I did... Um, <laughs> what I did was I uh, made books out of it. So I made my own Stephen Meisel books, basically, if we're talking Italian Vogue, for example. Wow. Yes. Re- so you have, like, tear sheet after tear, like, page after page? No, just... no, I did... No, no, no. What I did is, like, I, I t- took the cover oh, yeah. and the well... Mm-hmm. And then I bound them into books, so you have like two years in one book, for example. Wow. You know? Wow. And so it's a very good... So I have my own library, basically. And um, so for those, those who are listening who don't know what The Well is, The Well is... The Well is mostly the back of, an, of the magazine, which is not disturbed by advertising. 
Ah, the magic spot. The magic. It's the called, there's the front of the book. The mm-hmm. front of the book is where all the advertising is. And uh, then you have the first tunnel, the second tunnel, which means people want to put advertising before the content. Mm-hmm. And then after the content, it's a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Then on the front. And then the well starts, basically, which means it's advertising free and that's where the creativity or that's where actually that the magazine shows what magazine it is i'm going to ask you now my five generic fashion questions all right all right here we go what is your favorite piece of clothing that you own your own personal favorite piece my own oh a very 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 old uh, helmet jacket why because it's still relevant and I still wear it and I love to drag out old stuff. <laughs> is it is it a trench? Is it a like a wool? No, it's a bomber. I'm a very bomber. You're a bomber kind of guy. I'm a bomber kind of guy. You are, yeah. you are. It's actually followed up by a rough one from ninety six or something. Oh, really those are that's a good one too. Yeah. What is the one item of clothing that you think every woman should invest in? Like really spend a good solid chunk of change? Uh a good coat. My good coat? Yeah. Okay. Um, who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Oof. Very hard. I would have to say John and mm-hmm. Ralph mm-hmm. and Helmut <laughs> and Rick. Okay. All men. And Ray. And, oh, uh, there you go. Is that, you saved it there at the end. I had to be diversity. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Mucha. Sorry, as well. Sorry, I'm very proud of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Glad to hear There's that. There's love. There are a lot of great talents out there. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I can't pin it down to one person. It's really hard, and I find it really unfair as well. Well, believe me, you're not the only one who could not pick one. So. No, I didn't want to yeah. pick one. I could tell you maybe one that I hate, but I wouldn't tell that. <laughs> <laughs> well, lots, well, well, you can tell me that when the, when the <laughs> podcast is over. Um, <laughs> what fashion trend will you never follow? <laughs> <laughs> You're game for anything, Klaus? No, I don't know, because I'm dressed the same way since, uh, in little variations since forever, basically. Okay. So I'm not... Uh, you just don't follow trends, period. Well, I don't know if it's trends or not. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's actually a good question. I never thought about it. Yeah, all this Philip Pliny kind of blingy over all that crap. Okay. Can I say that? Well, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, then finally, uh, what do you love most about fashion? The, the freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom of creativity, mostly. Mm-hmm. The diversity. And that it brings the world a little bit... It's like music. It brings the world a little bit together. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think. Klaus, thank you so much for taking the time. You are so fun to talk to. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.